This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson, Senior Editor of Education Next. Public charter schools were once viewed as a nonpartisan compromise between vouchers for private schools and no choice at all. Not now. In its 2020 national platform, the Democratic Party calls for stringent guardrails to ensure charter schools are good stewards and says federal funding for charters must be conditioned on whether the charter will systematically underserve the neediest of students. In a new study that Danish Shaquille and I have just released, we compare the progress made by cohorts of charter and district school students on the National Assessment of Educational Progress between 2005 and 2017. We looked at a sample of more than 4 million test performances in order to track whether or not charter schools are making more progress or less progress than cohorts of students at district schools over this 12-year period. If it is the case that charter schools are not keeping up with the district schools, then this concern by the Democratic Party is probably something uh, that should be taken very seriously. So I'm pleased that I have Danny Shaquille with me here on the Education Exchange to discuss our study. Danny, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul, for inviting me. So Danny, let me ask you this question. What are the overall big time findings from our study? So we have three major findings. The first one is that the student cohorts in the charter sector made greater gains from 2005 to 2017 than the gains made by the cohorts in the district sector. And the gains amount to uh, nearly an additional half year of learning. So this is the first finding. The second is that the gains for African-Americans are considerably larger at charters than the gains uh, for African-Americans at district schools. So much so that for eighth grade mass course, the African-Americans at charters improved by an amount four times as large as the gains at district schools. Then the third finding is that the achievement gains are greater at charters for students from low socioeconomic backgrounds than their counterparts at district schools. So in other words, we find that the more at-risk students, the African-American students and the students from disadvantaged socioeconomic backgrounds are actually making more rapid progress relative to the district schools than other charter students. Sure, yeah, I agree with that. No, I found this uh, really fascinating. When I first uh, came across this uh, uh, possibility, uh, when you were going through the national assessment data, so, what is the National Assessment of Educational Progress data that you worked with? Because I know you did all the heavy lifting on this. Uh, so, so can you tell our audience uh, exactly what is this uh, storehouse of information? So NAEP is a huge data set administered by the U.S. Department of Education. It's called the Nation's Report Card because it is administered for every state. And since NCLB, all states are required to administer it. So uh, with that, this data set, we can make comparison across state and we can know how students, students are performing across the nation over time. Uh, since 2005, the data is also available for charter schools. 
there was a pilot study in 2003 for charters that showed uh, charters were performing lower than their district counterparts, and that raised a lot of media reports. But nobody had looked at this data for a trend analysis from 2005 till now. So we got all this data from uh, the US Department of Education for all the years. And we had grade, grade four, grade eight, and grade 12. But grade 12 had substantially lower uh, number of observations for charters. So we excluded that. So in all, we had 4 million observations for district schools and about 140,000 for charter schools. The beauty of this data is it, it, it provides us with background information. For example, students' gender, their ethnicity, and for eighth grade students, we also have their socioeconomic status in terms of parental education levels, number of books at home, or a computer at home. We also have free reduced lunch for grade four and grade eight, which is a measure of income. Um, so this is a very nice data set. It allows us, to look, allows us to look at the trends for charters and public schools for the entire 12-year time period. Um, and we use a quadratic model to analyze the trends. So the really interesting thing is, is that uh, we've got nationally representative data from every other year. These tests are had were during this time period. It, it's not happening right now during COVID, but during this time period, between 2005 and 2017, we have for every other year, the performance of the students in the charter sector and in the district sector. And these are nationally representative and also we have their background characteristics. So we can control for some of the things that affect student performance. So we rule out some of the explanations for this change by adjusting for student background uh, characteristics. Uh, yeah. so, so Danny, um, what did you find as the most surprising result that we obtained? There were a few surprises. So we definitely already knew from the NAEP uh, website that the, the gap between charters and public schools had closed for 2017. Uh, but the surprising finding was that the gains for African-Americans were quite large, so much so that for eighth grade math, they were four times that of uh, district students. So this was really surprising. The second was that the students from lower SES, they were doing very well in charters and actually better than uh, the gains made by students in district schools. The, the other finding that surprised me was that the Hispanic students do equally well in both sectors. I was expecting some difference, but it turned out to be equal in both sectors. So uh, what percentage of the students are African-American at so, schools? So in our data set, I think at, there were 30% uh, at uh, charter schools for the time period we tested. You know, they're, they're a very significant share. And then, and the Hispanic students are, what, what percentage are they? Are they about the same? So Hispanic students are uh, about the same, yeah. Uh, for 2017, they are a quarter uh, of uh, the students at grade four. At grade eight, they are thirty percent, thirty-two percent. Yeah, and then the uh, then there's some Asian students in there, about five percent. Yes, are are white students or or a variety of other. Um, yeah. 
So, um, so there's sort of one third, one third, one third with, uh, with a small percentage uh, Asian uh, in the charter sector. And, and, but you know, the other interesting finding, uh, I think, uh, Danny, is that we don't see much difference for Hispanic students between the charter sector and the district sector. We see overall there are gains being made by Hispanic students. Uh, so it's not like there, we don't show a positive trend over time for Hispanic students, but we don't see any differential uh, effects. So what do you think are the reasons for that? Uh, so charters are uh, focused probably, uh, or they're opening in areas where they're serving the black population very well and the disadvantaged population. But in the, and as we find in our analysis by region that the charters are doing equally well uh, than districts in the Western part of US, the advantage is mostly in the Northeast part of US. So it could be that the Hispanic population is living in the other areas which are not in the Northeast and that's why we don't find much difference. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that we don't discuss very much uh, in, um, in the report, but that we really do see in the district schools, bigger gains in the West than we do in the Northeast. The Northeast part of the United States whether it's black students or white students or any background, we find fewer gains being made by students in the northeastern part of the country, which is at the district schools. So that makes the charter schools sort of stand out in the northeast, uh, both for the white population and especially for the black population. But the Hispanic population tends to be concentrated in the West, and out there, the we see the schools making pretty good progress in both the district sectors and and the charter sectors. Hard to put a finger on exactly why that uh, is the case, but that's what we show. So, Danny, uh, you started in 2005 and you ended in 2017. Why did you pick those dates? So the data for which the charter data was most reliable uh, in the beginning was 2005. In 2003, there, there was a pilot study, so we excluded that. Uh, in the long-term trend NAEP, the earliest year available was 2008, and that only has two waves of charters for 2008 and 2012. So we chose the main NAEP. So 2005 was the first year, but and every other year the test is administered. The data that we uh, want to use it is the student level data and actually the restricted version. And the latest data we have is for 2017 because the US Department of Education takes some time to process the data before they actually release it to the researchers. And the latest data for math and reading would be available for 2019, but they have not released it yet. So we use the latest year available. So in other words, we, if you're going to stick with the main NAEP, which is the data set that we worked with, and you use just one test, so it's going to be comparable over time, and you want enough observations, and you want the background characteristics, the only place you can turn to is this main NAEP, and it doesn't really give you much information on charter school students until 2005. Yeah. 
can't get any data since 2017, right? It's, there's just, they haven't reported out anything. What, do you report out new information? Is there any, any information on that? So I think it did take up to at least a year or more uh, before they put the restricted data in, in public domain. And I don't see that happening before the next fall for 2019. So maybe in, in a year or so, we might be able to extend this analysis to see uh, if we see any changes in, in, since 2017. Of course, uh, we don't know what's going to happen given the current situation in both the district schools and the charter schools, but you know, the charter schools as shown in the Education Next survey shows them more, uh, they moved very quickly last spring to learning more, more effectively than the, uh, than the district sector, according to parents who were being interviewed. So I would be surprised if we didn't see this trend continue in the future. Yeah. But, uh, but but it could be that the political opposition to charters uh, has lowered the movement and we might uh, not see an accelerated... Uh, uh, I, I, what I'm trying to say is we might not see the trend to follow the previous trends in the subsequent years. It might slow down. Yeah, but you know, I find the interesting fact is, is that the opposition to charters is greatest in those places where they're the most effective. Yeah. There's a big, big opposition to charters in the Northeast. Um, and also from civil rights organizations. So I, I don't understand it. I mean, in, in a sense, it's not easily understood. But Maybe it's because they pose a greater threat in the Northeast because they've been getting better in the Northeast and they haven't been getting better relative to the district schools of the West. So there's not so much opposition to charters in the West. Mm. I, think I, see a, of that? Um, I see a paper there. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I agree with your, with your theory and um, it would be interesting to test it empirically somehow. Yeah, it's, it, it would be interesting to actually uh, dig in more uh, carefully and more do a more fine-grained analysis to see whether you find uh, the greatest opposition to charters in places where they're weak or where they're strong. And uh, you, you might be able to, to, to do some more fine-grained analysis than we've done in this particular uh, early first pass through the data. Yeah, I, that would be nice. All right. Well, uh, Danny, thanks for joining me on the Education Exchange. And uh, it was good to have a chance to talk about a report that we both think is really uh, a pretty exciting uh, set of findings that are bearing on the school choice opportunities uh, in the charter and uh, the district sectors. Thanks for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. It was a pleasure. This is Paul Peterson. The Education Exchange appears on the Education Next website every Monday at noon. Thank you for joining me.